Amen. Let me welcome those that's joining us by way of live stream this morning. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for being with us today. And I hope all is well with you. Those of you going to class, feel free to do so this time. Those that are visiting with us in the sanctuary, we say a very special welcome to you this morning. We're so thankful that you're here. It's good to be home from vacation. I don't know if it's good to come home to what I came home to, 40 degrees. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, but that's Indiana, I guess. And uh, then on top of that, everything in my house that has a circuit board decided to have a power surge. So it was welcome home, Ron. So, uh, but it's okay. We're here and God is good and uh, we're going to praise him anyway, right? Uh, but if you have your Bibles this morning, Daniel chapter number five, Daniel chapter number five, if you have your Bibles, I'm here with you. Uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart, and part of what I'm going to share with you today uh, comes from a message that was preached uh, several years ago that I had the privilege of reading through, uh, and as I began to read through it, I, I, I began to realize that uh, this particular gentleman had heard and got insight from the Lord in a very unique way concerning our nation. Uh, so I'm going to reference some of that this morning. Uh, but if the Lord would help me today, I want to preach for a few moments. It's not a traditional message today. It's not all doom and gloom either. But throughout history, God has called men and women alike to be a voice that would bring awareness and warning bringing attention to the reality of the hour in which generations have lived. And it's not always a pleasant thing, but it is also always a needed thing. And I believe today that as a nation, we need to hear the words of warning that God is speaking to us. I read a little article a few days ago, and the king of Dubai had been interviewed and he made a statement they was asking him about current events and things of that nature nations of the world and he made this statement he said my grandfather uh, rode a camel he said my father rode a camel he said I drive a Mercedes and my son drives a Land Rover but he said my grandchildren will ride camels. And they said, why is that? And he began to explain that in the midst of prosperity, we don't give birth to warriors, but we give birth to weakness. And he said, in the midst of our prosperity, we are failing to give birth to those that will stand and fight for the things that they're enjoying. And therefore, he said, it is without a doubt my grandchildren will not experience that which I experience or my son experienced, but they will revert back and experience that which my grandfather experienced. Concerning the United States of America, we're a very unique nation. Just a little over 200 years old, we have achieved some amazing things. We are no longer living in log cabins, the pigs running underneath 
our floor. But we are a nation that has experienced great prosperity. I have not had to experience what my father experienced in the early 1900s when he would wake up in the mornings and there would be snow on his blanket. But I have enjoyed the fruits of his labor. My home has always been warm. Field. I have worked diligently. I have offered that and given that to my children as well. I pray that my grandchildren get to experience that blessing as well. I'm not riding a horse or a camel today, but my driveway is full of automobiles, motorcycles, and everything else that you could mention. I am blessed. I don't say this arrogantly, but by the standard of the world, I am wealthy. And so are you. But please hear me today. We're on the verge of losing. I wish I'd come back today, Ken, and be able to preach a revivalist message today. But I stand before you very heavy because I love this nation. And I love this generation. And I don't want this generation riding camels. But the, the reason for the discourse that we see in the halls of Congress, in the halls of our supermarket, and in the streets of our city is because of the apathy in houses like this. It is not a political issue. It's not a social issue. It's not an economic issue. It's a church issue. We have backslidden. We have fell in love with the world, and fell out of love with Jesus. And it's never ended well for any generation that's done that. And I don't want you to get your eyes on me this morning, but I want you to get your eyes on this generation. They deserve better. So please hear me this morning as I share my heart with you today in the word of the Lord. The Lord would help me for a few moments. I want to talk to you about the writing on the wall. And America's four dangers this morning. The writing on the wall. And America's four dangers. Daniel's chapter number five, beginning in verse number one. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass, of iron and of wood and of stone. And in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, 
Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Bashar greatly troubled and his countenance was changed in him and his lords were astounded or amazed. Verse number 25. And this is the writing that was written. Mina, Mina, Takiya of Herza. What does we mean this when you began to read the interpretation of this? In verse 26 and 27 tells us that God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it that thou art weighted in the balance and are found wanting, and thy kingdom is divided. For a few moments this morning, let us reflect on this passage of Scripture. Today is the day that we pause to remember those who laid down their life for their family, their friends, and yes, even strangers, and for our freedom. A week after Pearl Harbor was attacked, President Franklin D. Roosevelt made this statement. Those who long enjoy such privileges that we enjoy forget in time that others have died to win them. Chris Beam, he made this statement. Freedom is never really free. It's almost always bought with the blood of patriots. We currently find ourselves this morning in an intense battle for the very soul of our nation. We are witnessing daily the acceleration of this erosion in our society that is destroying who we have been as well as who we are to be today. We have lost our moral and spiritual compass. It could not be said any better in my opinion than the following. The position we're in today is because of what we tolerated yesterday and the position we'll be in tomorrow will be because of what we tolerate today. When we look at history, we often see certain things are repeated. That which I read to you in Daniel chapter number five is very much been repeated today. Let me give you a story very quickly. Babylon was a great walled city. It was a place that was fortified, that was not able to be penetrated by its enemies. It had within inside its walls at this particular time in history 20 years stored up where it could live without going outside its walls. There were 60 miles of walls around it. It was not able to be penetrated. It was not able to be overran. It was experiencing great many victories throughout its history. But we find that in this particular time, this particular king was repeating that which his father had done as well. He failed to understand and acknowledge the absolute authority that comes from our heavenly father. This morning, please hear me today. There is four mistakes that you find in this particular passage that is taking place before our very eyes today. I want to give them to you just very quickly today. First of all, we find that Babylon 
lost all sense of remembrance. Secondly, they lost all sense of reality. And thirdly, they lost all sense of restraint. And fourthly, they lost all sense of respect. We as a nation have risen to a place of great strength filled with powerful men. And we have a list of great victories, much like Babylon. But we have lost our way this morning. And without repentance, we will truly also experience the same writing on the wall. And I believe the Lord would say to us, if we're not careful, as a nation right now, we are being numbered, we are being weighed, and I pray that we are not separated. This morning, let us look at these four things very quickly. The danger of losing all sense of remembrance. If you was to read in Daniel chapter 5, 18 through 23, you would begin to find that Belshazzar's problem was the same that many people have today. He had forgotten the valuable lesson from the past. Lessons like his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had learned the hard way, and even though he had witnessed him learning it, he failed to adhere to it himself. But in Daniel 4, 37, it says, those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. Can I tell you today, it doesn't matter that we've been great. But when we begin to walk in a place where we're contrary to the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God, we position ourselves for failure, not greatness. In most cases, pride always becomes before destruction. Daniel gives us very great insight when he challenges the king with this accusation. He says this, you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Much can be said today concerning our nation. That's what Belshazzar was doing. He was boasting about himself. He picked up right where King Nebuchadnezzar left off when he was simply saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty in Daniel 4 and 30? Pride always leads to a fall. Please hear me today. Don't take my word for it this morning. But if you could talk to Satan, he would tell you pride is what got him ejected out of heaven. If you could talk to Adam and Eve this morning, they would say that pride is what got me removed from the Garden of Eden. If you could talk to King David, he would tell you that pride is what separated me from the blessing and favor of my God. If you could talk to Simon and Peter, Simon Peter this morning, he would also tell you the same thing. So let me say to you again, Daniel 4 and 37, those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. And let me add to that, at any given time he desires. America used to honor God today. We find ourselves quite the opposite. There was a time in recent history where we honored God unashamedly and openly. It is still today etched in numerous monuments all over our nation's capital. It's carved in granite in many of our government buildings that we hold dear. It's actually printed on our currency. There was a time when we credited him with our blessing and with our successes, and we turned to him in our trials and our, and our losses. Uh, but today, like Babylon, uh, we seem to have lost a sense uh, of remembrance. Uh, 
President Woodrow Wilson said it best, a nation that does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today or what it is trying to do. Can I tell you today, in many ways, we have forgotten our past. What was it about America that has made us so great and caused men and women from nations all around the world to risk their lives and their fortunes to come here? Why are we so different from those that are just north of us or those that are just south of us? If you was to talk about Canada this morning, you would find that it was uh, developed or it was settled by French explorers uh, who was looking for gold. Uh, if you wanted to talk about Mexico today, uh, you could say that it was settled by Spanish explorers uh, that was looking for gold. Uh, but when you began to talk about America, it was settled by men and women, get this, who came here primarily looking for God. They came searching for a home where God could be exalted and worshiped in spirit, in freedom, and in truth. We have fallen a long way from where we once was this morning. So far off our founder's path uh, that it's not uncommon to see now uh, the government in all sectors and all levels uh, removing manger scenes during Christmas time, uh, removing the Ten Commandments uh, from our courthouses. Uh, can I tell you today, uh, we have forgotten uh, and unfortunately there are some sobering similarities uh, between ancient Babylon and modern day America. And just like Babylon, I have to tell you this morning there is an expensive price to pay when a nation loses all sense of remembrance of who they are and where they've come from. Can I tell you this morning, you and I are sitting here because men have spilled their blood on a battlefield and if we're not careful, we're just concerned about a three-day weekend and a cookout and we don't care what's happening around us. But can I tell you, your children will be riding camels unless you remember who you are today. I will not apologize for being patriotic. I will not apologize for being an American. Listen, they can make it a dirty word. I'm not even going to apologize for being white today, all right? Uh, I know that's not politically correct, uh, but listen, uh, I'm not racist at all, uh, but I'm going to tell you something. I refuse to allow somebody to divide me uh, from those of other colors because it fits their agenda, but I'm going to remember this morning uh, that there's been white men, black men, red men, brown men uh, that's all shed their blood uh, so that we could be free this morning. We better remember who we are. We are one nation under God. Don't you let somebody divide you by the color of somebody's skin. That is a trick and a demonic ploy of the enemy. You better love everybody. The second danger this morning, the danger of losing all sense of reality. Notice with me Daniel chapter five, verse one. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousands of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Why is that so important? 
notice at this particular time and this moment in history, in order to understand chapter 1 of verse 5, you have to realize what was going on around him. We need to remember that outside the city walls of Babylon, the Medes and the Persians had surrounded the city. The enemy, as far as you look, north, south, east, or west of Babylon at this time in history, the fields was covered with enemies. They was desiring to overtake this place. But the king lost all sense of reality. And the Babylonians thought that because of the history of dominance and that their strong walls and all of their great victories, that they were invincible and indestructible. Those walls, as I mentioned earlier, were 60 miles around. They were thick, they were mighty, they were powerful. Hear me, many people today think just because they got away with something before, they'll get away with it again. Just because we've always been blessed, we'll always be blessed. No. Just because we always have won that battle and that battle and that battle doesn't mean we're going to win this battle. Notice, this king was too blind and too drunk on his own success to realize that the strength of a kingdom or an individual is never on the outside, but on the inside. And we found that Babylon soon fell because they had become corrupt on the inside with no more sense of remembrance or reality. Hear me today. There are people today foolishly thinking that somehow God needs America to carry out his plan on earth. Now let me say this, this morning, I believe that God desires to use America. I believe we have a vital role to play in this final harvest season. And I believe God is desiring, and God is moving and stirring amongst the people in the church in America, just like he is in other parts of the world. But notice with me, after all, we've won all the wars, we've won all the conflicts, this and that, but notice with me, I believe God is saying to us today, giving us a word of warning, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 12, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Right now, in our culture, we are seeing men beating their chest, saying this, that we are, we are invincible, we are indestructible, we are America. Like those in ancient Babylon, we too think that we don't need to be concerned about all of the stuff that's gathering outside the walls of our nation. But I have to remind you this morning, and I'd forgotten about this until I started reading through a message that Chris Beam had preached some years ago. He says 3,000 years ago there was, a, there was another superpower and it was identified as Israel. They were one nation under God, but notice their motto was this as well, in God we trust. How ironic. 
But 3,000 years later, God gave birth to a nation called America. God gave us a law built and based on Israel's ancient commandments. It's who we've been. So why is it we should think that we are invincible? They fail because of their disobedience and their neglect. It's time for us to remember who we are and where we've come from, my friend. I think it's time for us to look at the reality of what's going on around us, not half-heartedly, but truly begin to pray, God forgive us, and God bless America. You see, this morning, the third danger that I'm going to give you is the danger of losing all sense of restraint. Daniel chapter 5, verse number 2, Bel. Shazazar, I can't even speak this morning, I'm sorry. While he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. We find that there was no restraint. They began to defile the, defile the holy things of God. When a nation, please hear me, when a nation or an individual loses all sense of remembrance and reality, it puts them on a fast track to lose all sense of restraint. The Babylonians were too blind to see any connection between moral decay and national decline. Does that sound familiar to anybody in the room? In the year 2021... Look what we are experiencing today. Most of you in this room have probably heard the name Elvis Presley. Don't start smiling and don't start singing. You all probably listened to it at one time or another. But in the 50s, television is making its way into every home. Men and women not in the house of God, secular television producers, they refused to show Elvis Presley on television from the waist down because it was too vulgar. That wasn't the church saying it, but that was the world. Now, just a few years later, nothing's off limits. Moral decline has now gave birth to national decline. And now, please hear me, Scripture puts it very nicely and elegantly, calls the king, talks about his wives, talks about those that's in authority with him, but then it mentions concubines. These were women who were kept for the king's pleasure. Now notice with me, our nation, like Babylon, has been virtually given over to great gross sexual perversion in so many levels that I don't have time to go into today. All through, been bombarded by television, movies, media, and now the internet. Men have been affected greatly by this invasion. You've heard me preach from this platform often on the roles of fathers and mothers. But let me visit it this morning just for a moment. 
how do I know that we're in the danger of losing all sense of restraint in America is because this men have stopped leading their families in spiritual and moral development. They've neglected their wives and children in pursuit of material wealth and power. They've become so busy with their jobs, their careers, that they ignore their wives and they become involved with women outside the home. I knew you wouldn't shout me down this morning. And as a result, the wives have begun to seek their own worth and value, so they've stepped outside of the home. We've dealt with this for years. But now it's escalated in such a fact and a matter because now we have male and female role models no longer present in the home. And now our children have developed identity crises. A boy don't know if he's a boy. A girl doesn't know if she's a girl. Many of them are neglected, and for the most part, they're undisciplined. That's why we see buildings burning in the streets of our city. It's not because they have a cause. It's because they've never been corrected. It's another message for another day. We've lost all sense of restraint. We today must understand we have responsibility. And it's not just out there, but it's in here. I'll get myself in trouble this morning, but that's okay. It's my first day back. We have substituted the anointing for entertainment. We have wanted to become likable we've wanted to become cutting edge and therefore we have adopted the scenarios of the world and brought them into the house of God expecting us to reach a lost and dying world but we have brought in the very things that God hates we brought the drunkard and put him on the piano we've brought the homosexual and gave them a microphone and we've did all of these things and we said it's all listen I'm not attacking the people they need a savior what I'm attacking is the church uh, that is sitting there saying oh everything's okay no we've lost all restraint there is still a thing called sin and it'll still take you to a place called hell and there is only one redemption for that and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ And that means we still have to be separated. Listen, I'm not talking about legalism this morning, but I'm going to tell you that in 1 Peter, it's very clear. It's in black and white. It is simply this. uh, Be ye holy, for I am holy. There has to be restraint brought back to a nation. Oh, is it really that bad? Yes, in our nation right now, we have a man that thinks he's a woman that's running for a governor of a state. We have a man that identifies as a woman that is going to be and is our our health uh, secretary that's going to tell us everything we need to know. 
but they are so distorted in their mind that they want to start teaching such perversion to kindergartens. Uh, listen, and we just sit and say, well, it's all okay. No, listen, there has to be restraint brought back. Uh, how does that come back? By men and women of God that says enough is enough. Uh, I'm going to remember who I am. Uh, I'm going to remember who we've been. Uh, and we're going to stand and not sacrifice uh, who we have been as a nation. Maybe you're okay if they teach your children that or your grandchildren, uh, but not this man. Uh, listen, uh, there's still a thing uh, called male and female. There's still a thing called right and wrong. Uh, there is still a thing called marriage that's ordained uh, by the word of God. Uh, listen, uh, you can distort it all you want, uh, but unless we get back to a place where we restrain this garbage in our nation, uh, we are on the verge of destruction. Let me give you the fourth thing. You're getting bored and I'm getting high blood pressure. The danger of losing all sense of respect. Notice with me. Here we see the crumbling culture of Babylon. Nothing was sacred to them anymore. They had ab abandoned all absolutes. Hear me. There was no more restraints and now there is no respect for anything that is sacred you could say it this way. It had become party time in Babylon. Look around America today. It has become party time in America. Then an amazing thing happens. The fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall in Daniel 5 and 5. Notice in a moment the king sobered up and his knees began to knock against each other. Here's what I heard the Lord say in my spirit last evening. I'm getting ready to write on the wall of America. Can I tell you when God begins to write kings began to shake. There is people in high authority that's getting ready to have an encounter with God that they are not expecting. And God is getting ready to number them and weigh them. And God is getting ready to separate them. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost as I'm telling you that this morning. You hear me. I told you it wasn't a traditional message this morning, but stay with me. When this happened, the king, all of a sudden, everything stops. He says, bring me all of the wise men. If they can interpret what's written, I will give them scarlet. I will give them a chain of gold. And I will make them the third most powerful in the kingdom. Notice with me. One after another, they come in, they come in, they come in, and they can give no answer. But if you read all of this chapter, the queen walks in and says, O king, don't be disturbed. There is one that walked in this room before when your father was reigning. 
And he began to give interpretation, words of wisdom, words of light, understanding. His name is Daniel. There is a Daniel in the kingdom still. And Daniel walks in and he hears the same thing that others had heard. If you can interpret what's on that wall, I'll give you a garment of scarlet. I'll give you a chain of gold. And I'll make you the third most powerful person in the kingdom. Daniel says, keep all your gifts. He said, I don't need anything that you have to offer because I have everything that I need. And he said this, if I take something from you, you may not listen. But I'm not taking anything, but I'm going to stand and boldly give you what God has given me. Notice he didn't just give them an interpretation. He said, I'll give you what you're asking for. But first of all, you're going to have to listen to what I say. And if you begin to read 18 through 23, he begins to lay it out there. He's like, listen, you know what was going on. You witnessed what happened to your father. You, you, you saw the things that happened when pride is there. You saw all of this stuff, but yet you, you neglected to adhere to it. And he says, it's because you're lifted up with pride that you now find yourself where you are. Now let's look at it. And I'm, I'm trying to hurry this morning. As Daniel looked around, the shouting had ceased, the drinking had stopped. A strange silence now fills this banqueting hall. People began to look as if they were frozen in time because of fear and terror that was gripping their hearts. The sacred vessels were scattered all around the table, but Daniel was the only one in the room at this moment of time that knew what was really getting ready to take place. He was calm. He was confident. And he took God's word without fear. And he began to reveal to them what God said. Notice, listen to Daniel as he stands before them. He told them three things before he gave the interpretation. First of all, he said there was a, there was a word about power. Daniel reminded the king that Nebuchadnezzar's power came from God. Secondly, there was a word about pride. He reminded the king that Nebuchadnezzar lost his kingdom because of pride. And thirdly, there was a word about punishment. And he said King Nebuchadnezzar was punished until he came to realize that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. He reminded him of Daniel 4 and 32. But then he applied this simple text he said, you have not humbled yourself, although you knew all of this. I want to stop there for a moment and tell you, we know a lot of things as a nation, but we also know a lot of things as men and women of God. And we haven't humbled ourselves. That's why the Lord spoke to Solomon, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Most of you can quote that. If my people will humble themselves. Hear me today. He told King Belshazzar, you knew about the power, you knew about the pride, and you even knew about the punishment. But sadly, you've lost all sense of remembrance, all sense of reality, all sense of restraint. 
which has now brought you to a place where you've lost all sense of respect. When we forget these things, we become blind to the fact, please hear me, like Babylon, our problems are not politically, economically, or social, but they are spiritual. But when we go back to this banqueting hall at this moment, Daniel now reveals the handwriting on the wall. He simply says this, O king, you've been numbered, you've been weighed, now you're going to be separated. In other words, he was simply saying, judgment is coming and you will be separated. You read of no cry of repentance here. And when you lead the last of this chapter, Daniel chapter 5, in the midst of the time of partying, there was an advancing that was going on and it penetrated the city. And that very night, the king was destroyed and the kingdom was rent from him. What am I saying to you this morning? What I'm saying to you and myself alike is this. Very few nations have a history like America. For over 200 years, we've been a shining light to the world around us. We've been a launching pad to take the gospel literally to the very ends of the earth. And oftentimes in our culture today, we hear people say God is our only hope, and he is. But I can't help but wonder this morning if possibly God might be our biggest threat. What is it about America that offers us the exemption that neither Babylon or Israel were given? There isn't any. The only thing that will save this nation, please hear me, it will not be in an election poll, it will not be in a booth. The only thing that will save this nation is if 120 people climb back up a staircase and lay between the porch and the altar and begin to call out to God and say, forgive us and fill us with your Holy Spirit again. There's a night for every nation, I'm sorry to tell you. There's a night for every individual. On this Memorial Day, as they come to the piano this morning, as we remember those who gave so much for the freedoms that we enjoy today, may we be reminded In the words of Daniel, the Most High still rules over the affairs of men. You and I, as men and women of faith, cannot be, we cannot be men and women that's shaken by every news cycle, by every report of propaganda that is released. But if this nation has ever needed spiritual direction and spiritual guidance, it's now. And I have to tell you this this morning. 
D.L. Moody's not been resurrected to come and do the job. Billy Sunday has not been resurrected and he's not going to come back and he's not going to stand on a chair and scream and holler and preach with the anointing that he did for this nation. They've ran their race. They've finished their course. They've received their reward. But for such a time as this, God saw fit for you and I to be alive and to be the church. I'm not going to walk into this platform and tell you that if you give a thousand, God's going to give you ten. I'm not giving you that prosperity garbage. Listen, he is prosperous. He blesses us. He is a miracle working God, all those things. But there's a time and a season where we have to wake up to the reality that while we're in a season of neglecting and just self-absorbing, There's an enemy outside the walls of our nation. Do I need to remind you of the words that world leaders have said openly? That Israel is little Satan, but America is the big Satan. Do I need to remind you of that? Do I need to remind you that in classrooms across the globe there is radical Islamic priests and teachers that are teaching three-year-olds, five-year-olds, ten-year-olds and the chant that they're giving them is death to America. Why is it why is it there's such hatred for today it's because of the simple fact she's a nation that has stood under the umbrella that in God we trust we have waved a flag of freedom for white men black men, brown men, yellow men we've had our arms open it said all come experience freedom experience wealth worship and freedom. And every time throughout history when it's been threatened, men and women have strapped on a uniform. Many come home, many do not. And today you're able to enjoy that freedom. But even beyond that freedom, Because of another sacrifice at Calvary, you and I can experience a freedom from fear, freedom from disease, freedom from sickness, a freedom from poverty, a freedom from hell, a freedom from sin. And that's why the writer of Galatians 5 simply said this, 
Stand fast in the liberty wherewith God has made you free. Everything I've said today is just to bring us to this point. I want you to stand fast. I want you to be found unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? It's because that's how we honor those that gave everything for us to be able to stand. If I want to honor Christ, I have to stand. If I want to honor those that gave the ultimate sacrifice so I can have this freedom, I have to stand. This morning, I pray that you can hear the urgency. I pray that you can experience the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Please hear me. If the church doesn't stand, Please hear me. If the church doesn't stand in the United States of America, this generation's children will be riding camels. You can come to church next Sunday, sing three songs, hear me preach a message. And go live a self-centered life and let America be destroyed. Or you can decide to roll up your sleeves and be men of God and women of God. And we can join arms together. And we can begin to be a voice that says no longer will we be silent. And we will begin to hold people accountable. And we will begin to stand and decree and declare the word of God without fear and without hesitation. We will begin to interpret the writing on the wall. Because today I'm going to stand here and prophetically tell you, and you can hold me accountable for it. But there is writing on the wall. You may not see it naturally, but in the spirit this morning, God is writing on the wall. And there's getting ready to be a veil removed. And in the secret places of men's residence, they are getting ready to hear and see. I have a visitation. The astrologers and the soothsayers is not going to be able to interpret what God is getting ready to say to this nation. But the voice of the prophet is getting ready to be... Re- I know that it's took a hard hit, the office of the prophet. But I want to tell you something. The prophets aren't wrong. There is some things that's getting ready to change drastically before winter of this this year. And there is getting ready to be men shaken and removed in all levels, in government, in local government, in houses of worship. Things are crumbling because God is still the one that's in control. But the future of our nation It's going to depend upon our heart towards him this morning. Let's not wait, but let's acknowledge these four dangers and let's get back to a place where we're willing to say, God, forgive us. And let us see the writing on the wall. And let us know this morning that we have to remember We have to live a life of reality.
we have to bring restraint back. And we have to once again respect the sacred things of the house of God. I have to say this this morning and then we're going to pray. Because of our failure to remember, because of our failure to acknowledge the reality, and because of our failure to practice restraint in the church, we now have a generation that does not know how to respect the house of God. We come as we are. God does the work in us. I understand all of that. But we have a generation that has no fear of coming past this place into the Holy of Holies back here with sin in their life because nothing is sacred. But we are entering into a time, please hear me, please hear this word of warning. When we begin to cross over, before the priest would go in at the Day of Atonement, there was purification process that went through very intensely. A rope was tied around his ankle in case he missed a step, in case he wasn't pure, in case he wasn't holy. That way they could drag him out when he fell dead in the presence of God. There's a presence of Almighty God that's coming back to the church in America. And you better be careful when you decide to cross over the threshold. There can't be sin in our lives this morning. And for, I don't care how gifted we are, how talented we are, how intellectual we are, but purity is coming back to the house of God. There's a move of God that's getting ready to take place in this nation that's going to touch the nations of the world. Young people, elders alike. Let's remember, let's reflect, but let's position ourselves for where God has us right now. The fields are white with harvest. Things are changing. Let us stand all over the house this morning. I pray this has made sense to you and spoke to your heart today. You say, Pastor, why would you, why would you speak in such a manner today? Because I stand here believing that God is not done with this nation. And there's a mandate upon this generation. There is an ushering in of the glory of God, the presence of God. But we have to acknowledge that we have strayed. David Wilkerson said it like this, we need a fresh anointing. We don't need to become more polished. 
We don't need to perfect our skills, which I believe in excellence. But we need a fresh anointing. A generation has died. We've gotten really good at religion. But what about his presence? What about the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God that is absent? And suddenly we're okay with it. In the natural realm, men gave everything for us to have freedom. In the spiritual realm, God gave everything so we could have freedom. But yet we come in bound, we leave bound. I'm not going to waste the freedom that God has given us. This morning, if you're here and you're struggling, you can be free today. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be distraught. You don't have to be discouraged. We are serving a miracle-working God today. He goes before us. He protects us. He provides for us. And he simply still says, Come unto me all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is no better time than a Memorial Day weekend to experience the rest of God in your life. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to give you an invitation as they just sing a chorus of a song today. If you'd say this, Pastor, I need some freedom in my life. There's some areas in my life I just, I need some freedom. Or if you're just somebody this morning that says, you know what, I'm so thankful that I get a call this land home. And maybe I've neglected freedom. Maybe I haven't taken full advantage of the opportunities that's being presented to me. But you love this nation. I'm going to ask you to come and just stand or kneel. We're just going to pray. I'll pray with you, pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to pray for our nation today as well. We need an awakening, we need a reviving. We're seeing some great things happen. But please hear me. We must awaken, arise, and advance in this season. We cannot repeat the mistakes of Babylon. We must awaken and realize that He is our source and our strength. So as they minister in song, 
don't leave the way you can today. Hi everybody, this is Pastor Jade Abrams here. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I also want you to connect with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms listed below. And we would love to catch up with you, hear what God has spoke to you and continue to follow us. And we love you and God bless you.